Welcome into another episode of Automatic and Steffi. I'm excited that we're connecting because I want to hear about this whole big road trip that you were on and now you're finally back in Florida, but give me the scoop on where you've been, the weather that you encountered, because I know Florida lady, you don't like some of that cold weather that I think you got to experience. <laughs> Rich, it's good to be back in Florida, even though it's, you know, I'll be back on the road. Um, this week, I've, it's been so long uh, since, you know, I've spent like a full week like out on the road. We got used to calling games from home or just kind of being kind of a hybrid schedule. So I was out on the road from basically Tuesday to Sunday. And, uh, you know, I checked the weather. I was heading to Kentucky uh, for a game at Rupp on Sunday and just glanced at the weather. It said seven. <laughs> now I'm thinking there's got to be a letter, or not a letter, a number in front of it. And no seven degrees so there was snow everywhere and i had to immediately land and get a scarf because i am not equipped it's just i don't know how people do it and to get up and like work out like when it's that cold i got it's rough yeah did you even get out and work out yeah of course i did okay, you're Come dedicated on. you're disciplined i love yeah. it yeah i'm just saying like you know you want to sit in the warm car yes for a long time and not get out but you got to get out how has traveling been so far? It's been pretty good. I mean, I've, I haven't had any issues. You know, everyone abides by all the rules. No fights on any planes that I've seen as of yet. But <laughs> yeah, you see it in the news all the time. You These do. People have lost their damn minds on planes. But I have not had any interactions outside of the young man who sat next to me last night with his shoes off and his feet almost touching my leg, which is should be banned. That should be the mandate. Uh, shoes always on and you can't get them near your seatmate because I mean rich his foot shoes off almost touching my leg and I'm like you've got to, should I start fake coughing like what can I do here <laughs> <laughs> what is it that people I don't I hope you don't take your shoes off when you get on a plane I do what not take do my shoes off think about when they sit down in their seat first of all we're all tucked in there like a bunch of sardines and just go, let me take my shoes off. Bizarre. I've seen it on planes, too, though, that people do take their shoes off. I, I just cannot do that. So did he, like, cross his leg and get close yes. to you or something? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, him and his, whoever, his spouse or girlfriend, you know, they're all snuggled up, which makes me uncomfortable as well. Please don't snuggle up on a plane. Like, don't make anyone uncomfortable. I don't know what y'all are doing and it's gross. Just stop. <laughs> and then they both take off their shoes. They got their shoes lined up in the corner and I'm like, what? This is not okay. No, it's not. And then he crosses his leg and he's got the Chiefs game on. And I'm like, cool. Like I can glance over at least see the score. I'm reading a book. And uh, speaking of which, have you been reading your books, Rich? Oh, thank you for asking it. Yes. Uh, but I switched books. I was doing, I was, I should say I was reading Shoe Dog, That's obviously, right. Phil, Knight. Phil Knight, but actually I switched and am reading a book by Mark Batterson, who is a church leader. He's written several books, and it's called Play the Man, and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so it's talking about being a godly man, and sometimes that means obviously being a loving person and a loving man, but also just from a perspective that... Sometimes you have to be the tough guy and not in a overly, you know, like you're bullying, but you just need to be able to stand up for stand your certain ground. things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So interesting. Yeah. So thank you for asking. Yep. So I, I'm, okay. I'm sticking to it. 
I'm not done yet, and okay. we're coming close to the end of the month. So I've got a, I've got a lot of reading to do because yeah. I've got to get one book yeah. per month. So what book were you reading on the plane? I'm I'm too deep right now for the month. So I've been I've been rocking and rolling. Gosh, um, I just on the plane on the plane I just bang them out. Like I just turn my phone off and then I just read for like an hour. Good for you. I was reading a fiction. I was reading a fiction book, but um, I just ordered um, Jim Gray, Talking to Goats. Oh, I'm not familiar. Jim Gray is the is the broadcaster. So oh yeah, he's done interviews with every goat you can imagine. That's why the book's called Talking to Goats. Uh, Mike Neighbors from Arkansas actually recommended it to me. So the beauty of Amazon. The next day. Next day. Had it waiting at my house. So I'm I'm going to start reading that one. Oh, um, good. Well, you got to let me know how that one yeah. is because that sounds yeah enticing. It's, he said it. Mike said it was pretty remarkable. So, I love it. All right. So also for me, Steffi, this weekend, it was interesting because I want to get your thoughts. I was calling a game. It was Longwood at Presbyterian College. So it's in the Big South Conference, a men's game. It's in Clinton, South Carolina. And so it's about an hour away from Greenville. And the game is very choppy and... Both teams are pretty aggressive on defense. So it was foul after foul after foul. 54 fouls were called in this game. 62 free throws were attempted in this game. And it went down to the buzzer beater. So it was a great finish. But it took two hours and 20 minutes for this game. And I'm just sitting there watching... And I'm thinking, though, back to the women's game, that I do believe it's time. The men's game needs to move to four quarters. And Hello. What are we waiting the, on? Yeah, and have the free throws reset after each quarter so you can just continue with a much better flow of the game. And I know sometimes the flow of the game can be dictated by the refs, and they weren't letting anything uh, go in this game. They were calling every single thing and that's what was frustrating but then when you add that and the fouls don't reset in both halves they were in double bonus with like 13 14 minutes to go in the half yeah it's crazy yeah so how difficult was it to call the game difficult because of the starting and stopping and you couldn't get into a good flow just from watching the play i mean literally they would have times where on one end of the court in an I mean, they'd call three fouls. Like, good gosh. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. Uh, just how many times? Well, you just couldn't get into flow. You can't get into flow, like, as a player. And then as a broadcaster, you're unable to really identify what is taking place. Like, what are they running, um, you know, defensively? What, it, it's, there, it's very hard, I've noticed, too, just throughout the years of broadcasting. Like, when a game's choppy, like, you'll feel like shit after the game because you're like, I'd call that terribly. But it's like, the game was shitty. Exactly. I know. Like if there's 60 fouls, like it's, you're never going to have a rhythm. It so. was very difficult. Did you feel like that after the game? Like, uh, or did you feel like you had a good game? No, 1000% felt like, all right, that sucked. <laughs> and I felt really good going into the game, very prepared, you know, was able to have good conversations, you know, pre-production with the coaches and, you know, and all of that. So, and knowing that, you know, you felt that good going into it. And then it, it's just tough when you can't get into a rhythm. And also the other side too, which is very frustrating just from the technical standpoint. Couldn't hear the producer or director in my ear. It was very tough. 
and <laughs> Stephanie, but the talk back button was broken. So you couldn't <laughs> even communicate you're, you're directly. Out to dry. It was one way communication. So crazy. Anyway, so that was yeah. my experience. And so I just, I think it's, it's time. The men's game, you've got, go to quarters. I, I still don't understand what they're waiting on. Yeah, I, there, that needs to happen. You know, just, I, I don't, it's the only, what is it, section of basketball that doesn't have quarters. Exactly. And the women's game is, is 90 minutes. We're done. <laughs> I love it. You know, and just like the flow of even the NBA and Euroball, like it, it's just fast paced. It's, it flows. Now there's still, you know, choppiness, you know, within a game. But one thing that I've noticed that I've started to see, this is like, um, when it comes to like recruiting is players like jumping in the portal mid season. I don't know how I feel about it. I was talking, I'll be in studio on Thursday. I'll be working with Andrea Carter and, uh, on the women's side and rich, I don't know necessarily on the men's side, how busy the portal is mid season, but I know on the women's side, we've had quite a, quite a few like players just stop in the middle of the season and transfer. So we had Lav Briggs who's on Florida. She's headed to Maryland um, there was a player for Arkansas that left in the middle of the season. She'll be at Ole Miss. And now uh, a, a player who's leading the SEC in scoring, Rakia Jackson from Mississippi State, she just left. She's done. Wow. And she's in the portal. And so I was talking to Dre, and I was like, I, I'm for player happiness, but finish the year out. There's got to be some aspect of that the portal just can't be open 365 days of the year. There's got to so be. Does a, that mean coaches? Well, not to interrupt you, but is that is that like so? Then coaches are recruiting players year round, even during season. They the are because once the player is in the portal, then that's when the green light comes on and says they can reach out and communicate with that player that's in the portal. I think it's a trend that's going to be more, more and more prevalent. I started seeing it a little bit where, you know, a player left for whatever reason and. Um, but now I was really shocked by that. And Rakia Jackson, I mean, she's averaging over 20 in the SEC. And I'm like, in the middle of the year, like going into February, you're going to go to the portal. I just, you know, the way that I'm maybe I'm a little old school, um, you know, but I did play at three schools. Right. So I'm I'm accepting of the portal. It's fine. Go wherever you want and like be happy. But my mom always said, finish out what you start. And that means completing the season. You may be you might be miserable. But stick it out and then go wherever you want to go. So I just, I can't say I'm a fan of in-season um, portal hopping, but I don't, I don't see it going away. No, not until it, if there's, it would have to take some type of legislation like or some type of rule change that would close the portal during, during the season. But yeah, that's tough in-season because I actually just had a call with, Dave Dickerson, the head coach at USC Upstate, when we call in that game uh, on Wednesday. And he was telling me that one of their players just transferred. Now he, he's in the portal, but again, midseason right here. I mean, yeah. Well, he just played two weeks ago. Yeah. The two players from UConn uh, that transferred um, right in the middle of the season, the beginning of the season. So, you know, I was on a team my freshman year at FGCU where we had five or six players, but they just quit. So they didn't, I mean, maybe they would have ended up somewhere, but as far as I know, they just got on a plane and left. So <laughs> yeah, that was Sayonara. We're such, a, we're such and such. Oh, she quit. Okay. <laughs> now it's like a big announcement and then and they're in the portal and Rakia, 
I mean, she's going to end up somewhere big. I mean, maybe to. people are just unhappy in in the middle of the year, and you know, the Lab Briggs situation was a little different because I'm sure she's uncertain of what will happen to Florida, and it's it's obviously going to be a job that's open. So maybe she just didn't want to deal with all that, and she just wanted to start fresh. You know, I don't. It is what it is, but the. I just think I think it's a trend that's we're going to see more and more of, and I can't say that I'm a huge fan of it, but it is what it is. That's right, it is what it is. But I'm definitely not a fan of the midseason transfer. That that's a little yeah. much. Uh, there's got to be some guardrails put in. Now you mentioned that you were in Rupp Arena, so were you able to at least watch the Auburn Kentucky game? I know it was at Auburn on the men's side, and that was, I mean, obviously the game of the week or the weekend, I should yeah. say, and. In terms yeah. of what now Auburn, with that big win, vaulted them to number one in the country. And this seems to be the best team in the country, not only just how they're playing right now, but just the balance and the depth of Auburn, what Bruce Pearl has put together. It's phenomenal. Yeah, they're just so well-rounded. And I, and I, went, I was just eating lunch, um, watching the game, and there, of course there's a swarm of Kentucky fans they were not happy that I didn't uh, shout when Kentucky scored, and I had to tell them, "Look, I'm just neutral. I'm a neutral watcher, right. uh, observer at the time." But um, you know what really impressed me was not not only did they have inside play with Walker Kessler, right, but the the versatility of Jabari Smith, and then the shooters on the outside, you know, and then just getting stops, and you know, Bruce Pearl's got the depth. And again, I told you last week, like the the just the intensity and the grit and the passion that they play with, and that crowd was rocking uh, in Auburn. That played a factor. Um, big but they time. Were, and that's why KD Johnson, I mean, he's that guy. He's that energy yeah. guy for Bruce Pearl. And he was getting the crowd amped up. And, you know, every time he would stomp his feet, the crowd would just get louder and louder. And that's what makes this Auburn team very difficult and see how they're going to finish out the SEC. And, again, they're playing lights out right now. Yeah. And this is heading into February is a time where you want to have, you're kind of working out some of your kinks. You want to be, you know, a well-oiled machine and tough to argue that's not Auburn right now, but did you have a team of the week? Who's your team? Yeah, my team of the week is actually Marquette and that's with Mr. Shaka Smart. And this is a guy who just continues, maybe he hasn't reached the pinnacle at each program, but each place he goes, he just continues to win. And now he wins. He wins. He does. Period. He just continues yeah. to win. And I think going to Marquette, I was surprised by that move, uh, to be honest with you, when he decided to do that, considering Marquette was going to be down. And this is a team I don't think anybody really had any expectations for this season under Shaka Smart his first year. But now, watch out. I mean, they're climbing up the ladder, so to speak, and just had their sixth straight win. And now this is a team that has beaten Providence. They beat Georgetown, beat DePaul, beat Seton Hall, beat Villanova at Villanova, and then also beating Xavier. So Shaka Smart, what he's been able to put together, and obviously when you have a player like Justin Lewis, that helps. Again, you know, it doesn't matter about always the X's and O's and the coaching. You got to have some Jimmys and Joes, and you got to have those players that can perform. And they've got a good balance going on right now. Now, I'll be interested to see just in terms of now their next stretch of games at Seton Hall on Wednesday and then at Providence and then 
back home against Villanova. So they got a tough three-game stretch yeah. there in the Big East, and that could be a real challenge. So we'll see how legit they are right now, but as far as what they were able to do over the past week, they were my team of the week. It's a solid pick. Um, my team of the week, Rich, everyone is going to call me a homer. I already got it enough on Instagram, but it's my alma mater. I know where you're Gators. going with this one. Florida Gators. Let me just break it down for people. They had a tumultuous offseason. Their head coach was essentially fired for abuse, emotional abuse and uh, toxic culture. You know, ESPN did a whole um, story on it. It was everywhere. And so they, they uh, left the job open but named Kelly Ray Finley, who was an assistant coach there, as the interim coach, right? So we didn't know that what was going to happen with Lavender Briggs, and Lavender Briggs is a star player, and she was kind of nursing an injury. So they, they've had some pieces back, but, you know, what were we going to get with the Gators? I had no idea. But they just had a week, beat two ranked teams, and now in the conversation to be in the NCAA tournament. I called their Georgia game. They should have had a, one, a win against Georgia, top 15 team. LSU, LSU was borderline a semi-professional team because everyone on the team is basically like 23, okay? And then against Kentucky, Ryan Howard, potential number one draft pick in the WNBA. That's pretty damn impressive for a team that has their backs, that had their backs against the wall, no idea what's going to happen with their coaching situation. They just believe, and I think they're playing for Kelly Ray, and just a remarkable week for them. I mean, nobody expected them to be where they're at. Nobody. What's the difference? What do you think? Why are they playing so well right people now? Have, people have asked me that. Um, I think the difference is, it sounds cliche, Rich, but if you, the, the power of belief. Yeah. You know, I sat on your podcast and talked about that. That's right. The power of belief. I wore that jersey, and I know what it's like when you just believe and you will your team to a victory. But they've got they've got talent. I mean, they've got um, Kiki Smith, who, again, super senior, and she leads the way for the Gators. But what I see is a team that plays inspired, you know, knowing what they all went through in the offseason and all the chatter around the team. And just they blocked it out, and they're just playing on pure belief that they can win. Yeah, and doesn't that start snowballing when that belief gets bigger because you gain more confidence, you get a win? And then you can see the fruit of the labor. And then you start, again, believing more in what you're doing. And you start buying into everything. And especially now that you've gotten out of you know, that, the first early part of non-conference. And now, now you're really into the meat of the season. And teams just yeah. come together. And I think that's what you're seeing right now is that more teams are coming together and playing connected, playing as a unit. And that's what it seems like is going on with the Gators. Yeah, and I think, you know, that game against Georgia, uh, they should have won it, but they, they kind of faltered late down in the stretch. And now they're, they're winning those games. So there's some leadership there. I mean, there's some growth um, that I've seen um, from Florida, and it's just been impressive. It's not just because, like, I went to school there, but, like, just as someone who covers women's basketball and is, is like, wow, holy, the Gators are in the – Potentially in the tournament? What are we doing? Like, for like real? wait a second. So, yeah. Um, it's, How much it's do you miss a, when you see them playing like right now, the level that they're playing? How much do you miss it that you want to be back out on the court? Um, I mean, I, so, 
there's certain times in games where I'll be like, man, this is when it was so fun. The crowd's into it. Everyone, I always loved playing on the road because people would boo me. I love that. I love that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll see them this Sunday where they, when they face South Carolina. So that, that, that's interesting. There's a test. You know? Like there's, you know, what, what, that's when you're watching games like that. And especially when teams go zone, damn, I'm like, oh. I love I love when a team would show zone. Please find you me on ready. the perimeter. I would, I would throw it up. <laughs> throw it up 12, 15 times. Um, so it's just like little moments, Rich, like when you're watching a game or calling a game. And just, you know, I remember just being so excited. And, you know, I have a teammate, Jennifer George. She listens to our podcast all the time. We need to have her on. Let's go. And I just remember just being so excited, like, at any play. Like, just it was my dream to play there. And I would just be so happy no matter what, who scored, whatever, a screen, you know, like I would just be so amped. And I think I'm seeing flashes of that, like from this team. Just, just so, just Florida. Yes. Not, it's not about the agents and the name and like, it's none of that. It's about Florida. I remember, yeah, I remember you posted something on social media and it, it made me think because there was, and I think your point was about, uh, the women's game and just the emotion and you know how it does mean a whole lot. And I think it was a picture of you and crying. You were yes, you were on the bench crying. I mean, you, you were you could tell. I mean, you were all in. You were invested into this, and it meant a lot to you. I mean, you could see it all over your face. What's weird is that my dad has all these newspaper clippings and I'm crying in like several of them. <laughs> and it's like photographers would capture me post game. And I remember that that was in the NCAA tournament. And I, uh, I think we lost the game. And of course I'm crying. Like I, and I said, give a shit about something. You know, my, my life was that centered was around uh, winning and playing well and just having pride. And I think that, um, that just, that was just always my attitude. And so it's, it's so refreshing to see teams that, you're not supposed to be there, but, you know, they just believe. And I, I certainly can resonate with that, um, even though, like, that's where I went to school. It could be any team. You know, I, I saw Ole Miss this weekend, and they're back in the top 25 on the women's side, Rich. They haven't been there since 2007. Wow. And they they believe. Yeah. They just believe. And the teams that, that we see um, ascending are the teams that just believe in each other. Tennessee, too, like, only lost one game. They believe. So, it's been fun. Um, you know, we'll we'll get into my player of the week. This, yeah, well, this week. I think there's I think there's what? some controversy about player of the week. There's controversy. Yes, because I, I I mean, where do you go in terms of player of the week? I mean, an unbelievable performance from a scoring perspective, but then also just from doing something that you rarely ever see. So I've I've got to hear where you're leaning on this. I. I'm leaning, and I'm I'm gonna go with Aoka Lee. Rich, she had 61 points. Okay, she was 23 of 30 from the floor. She missed seven shots. 15 of 17 from the free throw line. Let me tell you, she's six foot six. Now Oklahoma, who they were playing, did not clearly not guarding her very well. <laughs> I mean, she <laughs> drop step bucket, drop step bucket. So I'm not. I'm going to be very honest. You know, I don't get to. I don't get to head out to the Big Twelve a lot, but I certainly follow the league. It's wide open. I mean, it's wide open. And you know, Kansas State has had some surprising games, but Aoka Lee has really burst onto the scene. 
she's a player that I kind of have been following since the beginning of the season. And, um, you know, I think she's now like, she's really balling out. I mean, 61 points, but she, she's been consistently, consistently rich, dominating. You know, she's had a lot of 30-point games. She's had 38-point game, 32-point game, 38 game. She's dominating. Of course. So shout out to Aoka Lee because um, the way that she's performed, but her efficiency too. I mean, what? Caitlin Clark. Yes. Okay. That's where I, I'm in Caitlin Clark's I'm camp. I'm sorry. You're, you're in Caitlin? Okay. Yes. You know I'm big on the triple. I'm not big on triple doubles, but I've we've talked about them on the broadcast or on our on our show, right? And you always think I'm crazy because you're like no one gets triple doubles. It's so hard. But she makes it look easy. Back to back thirty point plus performances with triple doubles. With triple She's doubles. She's a sophomore. She's a sophomore. That's absolutely what crazy. You the most about that. How can that? How can Caitlin Clark not be your player of the week? with those type of numbers because triple doubles don't happen every day in college basketball. We, that's what we've talked about, but you, you did call it. That was one of your automatics that we were going to see a triple double, or I think you actually said two. And now Caitlin Clark's already had two herself. <laughs> well, I, with, with Aoka Lee, you know, 61 breaking the NCAA record. I know I get that. That's fair. I mean, it's, we gotta, we gotta give love. Right. But I understand. Caitlin, Caitlin Clark, she's she's kind of emerging as my uh, player of the year, Naismith player of the year. I, I've got like a three-way race right now with Nelissa Smith out of Baylor, Aaliyah Boston, and then Caitlin Clark. You know, I think Paige Beckers was everybody's go-to right. to start the season, right? When she goes down, it's kind of opened up um, a hole for other players and the way that Boston's playing, Smith's playing, um, and now Caitlin Clark. <sighs> It's tough, tough to argue the, the performances she's been able to put forth uh, in the Big Ten's competitive. So I don't know, Rich. I know. I still lean towards Aaliyah Boston right now because that's a double double machine every single night. Uh, but I'm, Caitlin Clark is definitely. Who would be your men's pick right now? Gosh, that is so tough because, you know, I think there's going to be a scenario on the men's side where, so basically there's five national awards. And we might have a situation where we have five different winners yeah. of those national yeah. awards because I don't think there's really one consensus. Obviously, you've got Jabari Smith, you've got Paulo Bancaro, you've got Drew Timmy, I mean, you've got you know a whole host of different players that I think you know can win this. So for me, I, I, I don't even know where I lean right now to be honest with you. Well, see, the thing is, like with Jabari, like his team and they're the number one team. It's kind of like a Boston on South Carolina, best best player, but is I mean they have such a talented roster, but so does South Carolina, so does Auburn. I so get best it. Best team does that make him the favorite? Yeah, and you know, there's an aspect of it's easy just to look at who the best team is and then just pick a player off that best, best team. Player. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I think it's what we can do is really examine down into some of the teams that a particular player might mean so much more because they don't have the supporting cast. We'll see. But I, I do like your point about probably each each individual award, just because how do you compare like a Timmy, you know, versus a Smith versus Paulo over at Duke, you know, like they're all different players. So that's right. All right. So automatic for the week for you. Tell me you're automatic for the week. <sighs> I've been thinking about it. And does UConn host? 
it's kind of a, it's not an automatic, but I think it's I'm I'm trying to put it on the radar. So in the women's game, the top 16 seeds host the first two rounds. Usually UConn is that is an automatic it's a done deal. Yes, it's an automatic. <laughs> they are in danger of not hosting the first two rounds. Wow. So in a, a team like Maryland, they're and potentially dropping out to where they wouldn't host. So it's not necessarily, it's kind of like a reverse automatic. It's something that I'm just like, wow, these were automatics. Now they're kind of on the verge of something that might not happen. Still got another month left, but interesting. Yeah. Right? Oh, I think so too. Yeah. I, I think there's some validity to what you're saying that UConn might not be. And that would obviously be a big surprise if that doesn't happen. Well, and their their game on Thursday was was supposed to be against South Carolina, and South Carolina um, is actually going to play Ole Miss instead. So that would have been a big opportunity for Gino and, and his ball club to take on the number one team and maybe make some noise. That's right. Um, I'm not sure how much they will be tested uh, off, the, off the top of my head. You know, they had such a tough non-conference, but um, within conference. Yeah, so do you think there's an aspect that the Gino – not even want to play that game? Did Dawn not even want to play that game? It was just easy for them to say, we're not going to be able to do it based on, you know, obviously some rescheduling in the SEC side of things. Yeah. Well, it was going to be their second time playing, Rich. So um, I think Dawn wanted, she, and she put out a statement, but I think she just wanted to pick up an SEC team or an SEC game. Um, and, you know, you have to think about it. South Carolina and Tennessee are neck and neck. They both only have one loss. And, and Tennessee hasn't lost in conference, and South Carolina does. They lost to Missouri. So probably want it's probably more valuable to have a, a game within your league right now than versus a UConn team. All right, so for my automatic, I'm going to the Big 12 SEC Challenge that's going to be happening this weekend. And looking at these 10 games that you have, 20 teams, Eight of them are ranked in the top 25. You've got four in the Big 12, four in the SEC that are ranked in the top 25. But I think from top to bottom, and when you look at these matchups, I think the Big 12 is going to win this challenge. And so that's my automatic, that the Big 12 will take this. And I think it's going to be a runaway. I think it's going to be like 7-3 to three on the Big 12 side. When you look at Tennessee and Texas matching up, I've got Texas there. Baylor at Alabama. I've got Baylor. Kentucky at Kansas. I'm going with Kansas. Yeah, that's a, it's be a good game. That'll be a good one. I don't know if Ty Ty Washington's going to be playing in that game. He's still battling an ankle injury. So we'll see if he actually plays against Missouri on Wednesday. But then you've got Oklahoma State at your Gators. I'm going with Oklahoma State there. And then don't Mississippi State at Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Oklahoma at Auburn. Going with Auburn, Kansas State at Ole Miss. I'm going to go with Kansas State. LSU at TCU. I'm going with LSU. And then Missouri at Iowa State. I'm going with Iowa State at home. That's a really yeah, tough Iowa place State. to play. So yeah. that's seven wins that I've got for the Big 12 versus three for the SEC. So that's my automatic. Big 12 taking the Big 12 SEC challenge. All right, Steffi, that does it for our episode here. And that's episode number eight of Automatic. And Steffi, this season is already flying by. I can't believe that we're basically at the end of January, getting ready to head to February. And you know, then, I mean, February is going to be madness. Yes, and you just blink and it's over. And we're going to be into March. 
the true madness. But we are excited to have you in listening once again. And as always, if you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. And thanks again for investing your time to listen. And this is Automatic. Automatic.